Welcome back, beautiful souls, to our 30th episode of Spirituality with Kayun. I know it's been a while since I released an episode, but I've been so busy with holding spiritual retreats, teaching intensive trainings, writing manuals, visiting homes, spending time with my friends and family, and just trying to find balance in life, which is actually what I want to talk about today. So I apologize for the delay. After speaking about the concept of simple living and high thinking in the last two episodes, many of you shared with me your thoughts about living this spiritual or yogic life. You asked if it's okay to be both spiritual and material, and if there's even such a thing as spiritual success. I know it can sound like an oxymoron as there's this stereotype that spiritual people shouldn't be living luxuriously and how there shouldn't be any desires at all, not even for liberation. So today I want to talk about materialism, spiritualism, and how to find balance between the two. Sometimes I just get so tired. Life can become really difficult at times, especially for someone so emotional and highly sensitive like myself. Ever since I started my spiritual journey, I often get overwhelmed by external stimuli and I experience emotions more intensely as my senses are heightened through the practice. At times, I may prioritize the needs of others and neglect my own well-being, which doesn't help the society as a whole or collectively. Many times, I find I'm either being a total workaholic, say working 20 hours a day, or completely not working at all, like a sloth lying in bed all day, procrastinating and avoiding any activities that require effort. Unmotivated, unproductive, lazy, with absolutely zero ambition. Of course, when my passion became my work, finding work-life balance became a huge issue for me. For quite the longest period of time, there was nothing I wanted to do but to follow my dreams. I would teach all day. I had no time for my friends, family, significant other, or any other hobbies outside of yoga, meditation, and spiritual living. My ex wanted me to quit my job, start making babies, and he was doing everything to prep my body for it. Meanwhile, I was doing everything to counter it. For instance, I remember secretly flushing all the prenatal pills down the toilet. I would say my biggest struggle is finding balance between material and spiritual life, or between my inner and outer worlds. We often hear the terms spirituality and materiality, but what do they really mean? Before I dive into the challenges of balancing the two and sharing my personal experiences, let me take a moment to explain what these terms mean. So material or worldly life generally refers to the physical world around us, our jobs, our finances, our possessions, our titles, our fame, even our relationships. While spiritual life, on the other hand, refers to our inner world, which includes our beliefs, our principles, our values, and the connection we have to our inner self and to something beyond ourselves. For most of my life, I've been focusing on either or. 
There were many different phases that I've been through. I could be very zen at times and overly whirly at other times. During those years where I dedicated my life to serving at the ashram, nothing else was on my mind but how to deepen my sadhana or spiritual practice. And pretty much my daily schedule would be waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning, meditating, chanting, and listening to daily inspirational messages. Then I would be either teaching or practicing a traditional hatha yoga class. The yoga classes at the ashram are not exactly like your typical or favorite flow classes at the studios. They didn't even play Krishna Das or any mantras during the practice. Unlike most yoga studios these days, yogis at the ashram didn't practice in front of a mirror either. The reason for all of this is so that we have the opportunity to turn inward. Anyways, after the practice, I would be cooking, mostly Indian dishes. Our Indian teachers only ate basmati rice and veggie masala curry. Oh, and they loved to drink chai. I was making tea all day. After our meals, it was time to clean, cleaning the dishes, the kitchen, the floors, the toilets, and just about everything. People at the ashrams and even monasteries focus on cleaning and dusting a lot. It symbolizes the removal of impurities in our heart and mind. Then I would go do some laundry or spend some time gardening. All these activities can be done with mindfulness, actually. So it's a practice in itself. On some days, if I was lucky, I would get a little time to myself. Time usually flies at the ashram. And before I knew it, it would be time for teaching a yoga class again. Usually there are two classes a day. One after sunrise at 8 a.m. and the other before sunset at 4 p.m. Then dinner time. And lastly, there would be another spiritual gathering where we sat together to meditate, chant, and listen to a talk, which is the same as our daily morning practice after rising. And that was pretty much it. There was no time for anything else, because if we did have time, we would most likely be externalizing the mind and getting distracted by everything in the material world. So that was one point of my life where I was practicing brahmacharya, which means celibacy in Sanskrit, and almost living like a monk. I was so absorbed in it that I even thought about giving up material life entirely and staying there for the rest of my life. Well, for a second. In reality, renouncing isn't realistic for most people living in this world. But I do think that going to the ashrams every now and then is one of the best ways to reset and take a mental break from our busy day-to-day -day lives. We get to reset ourselves, body and mind. We get a digital detox, we get to practice mona or silence, we get to eat cleaner for a few days or even go on a fast, and most importantly, we get to reconnect with our true self. I always feel like a visit to the ashram is nourishment for the soul. Speaking of which, I'm holding my next spiritual retreat September 22nd to 24th in Hong Kong. If you're in the area and want to experience this kind of lifestyle for the weekend, check it out. So after some time living at the ashram, I felt the need to come back out into the real world, which ironically is the unreal world, according to yogic philosophy. God, it makes me so confused sometimes. And I regularly question which one is actually the real world. 
whenever I move deeper into spiritual living, I feel that this quote-unquote illusory material life is frowned upon because I'm just chasing for things that are not real and do not provide everlasting happiness. I may be judged for treating myself to one of the newest bags or a pair of shoes that just hit the shelves. I may feel guilty for splurging my paycheck on a fancy meal or say a weekend getaway. And vice versa as well. The more I get pulled into this beautiful maya or material life, the more I deviate myself from the practice as worldly people see those who cannot cope with the external world as weaklings. Sometimes I could be criticized for using spirituality as an escape route from the quote-unquote real world. And I mean, there's probably some truth in that. And growing up in a more or less traditional Asian household, my parents placed great emphasis on academic achievements and financial stability. Like all Asian moms and dads, they want their child to excel in school, attend an Ivy League or a prestigious university, and pursue a successful career. Success is generally defined in terms of financial well-being because Chinese people love money. My mom always taught my sister and I not to rely on others, but to be financially independent. Though I wasn't one of the top A students with a 4.0 GPA in uni, I did manage to complete my bachelor's and master's even though I did not enjoy studying at all. Looking back, I probably just wanted to get it all done quickly and not ever have to go to school again. After graduation, I also landed on a decent job with quite a good salary for a fresh grad at least and I would use all my money on the finer things in life expensive bags upscale dining luxurious vacations and such if you've heard my first episode then you already know about those days where I was partying my life away getting tipsy or drunk every other day and finding my head in the toilet bowl at the end of one too many nights it was all before I came into spirituality, quite a big contrast to my life at the ashram. In fact, I don't even know how I kind of just changed overnight. Well, I guess that's what they call spiritual awakening. Fast forward a few years of that crazy and fun lifestyle, I realized that it wasn't satisfying me after a while. I was still feeling empty. There was this big void in me. Long story short, I stumbled upon spirituality and realized that there was more to life than just material success and achievements. I began my spiritual journey, which felt so right, instantaneously. It was soothing, calming, and peaceful. Everyone and everything in the environment seemed to be so serene. But after a while, I felt lost again. As much as I enjoyed ashram living, I felt that I needed to contribute back into society and well also because I've exhausted my savings. For the longest after coming back into city living, I struggled to reconcile my material life with spiritual teachings. I felt that I was caught between two worlds, unable to fully embrace either one. I didn't want my friends or family thinking I'm this black sheep who hides herself because she couldn't deal with the stress in the material world. Then when I moved back into the city, I started my career as a yoga meditation teacher. 
boy, did I want to erase all those years I spent yoloing and enjoying a lifestyle that involved drinking, smoking, and eating fried chicken after a long night. I can still vividly remember the times where my girls and I would, without a doubt, go to 69, a late night Chinese restaurant in New York City, because we had the munchies. There was always this craving for the fattiest, greasiest, and most unhealthiest food after a night of green tea and honey or Patron on the rocks. So what I did was delete my social media and try to erase my previous life completely. I mean, who will want to practice, study, or learn spirituality from a party animal? Throughout my life, I was just going back and forth with my identities. And after a while, I felt like I didn't have anyone to turn to for support anymore. I felt lost and went into this downward spiral where I was caught in negative thinking patterns. So for all of you who are on the spiritual journey and feeling isolated, confused, alone, or even depressed, I was there too. You're not alone. I feel you. Then what happened was one day, the universe sends me a super wise and compassionate soul who listened to all my struggles and offered me guidance. This teacher helped me see that my journey was my own and that it was okay to embrace the different aspects of who I am. I learned that I shouldn't be ashamed of my past as I was clearly present and enjoyed all those moments with my close ones. And those experiences actually shaped me to become the person I am today. Rather than living on either ends of the spectrum, I can find balance by integrating my inner and outer world. I've learned to accept who I was, who I am, and the person that I am becoming. Instead of asking myself why I need to wake up daily to practice when I can just enjoy material living like all my peers, on some days if I wanted to relax, I would just chill out. And on the opposite end, if I ever find myself having desires to satisfy my senses, whether it's with food, shopping, or watching a movie, I remind myself everything in moderation is the key. I believe that with a healthy balance, we can enjoy material life as long as we do not get attached and continue to prioritize our responsibilities. With my teacher's help, I began to see how my past, which includes my upbringing as an Asian American girl, my previous career as a hedge fund accountant, my younger years dancing a night away in New York City, the time I quit my corporate job to travel around the world for soul searching, the days I spent serving at the ashrams, and the transformation I experienced could all actually enrich my journey and what I have to share with the world. Over time, I found that I was no longer lost in either my spiritual or material life. I learned that I could embrace my identities in worldly life while pursuing my spiritual path at the same time. I continued to explore different practices and teachings on how to grow mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. But now I did so with a sense of purpose and clarity. And above all, I felt a deep sense of connection and belonging that had eluded me for so long. 
I've come to realize the importance of balancing both aspects of life for a fulfilling and meaningful existence. Sometimes students share with me how they don't understand why one who shares spiritual teachings can live a materialistic life, or how spirituality shouldn't be transactional because it's all about loving and giving unconditionally, or how teachers should be like monks and swamis, distributing spiritual knowledge freely to all without anything in return. Spiritualism and materialism are often framed as oppositional concepts. And it is widely taught that an individual must choose to pursue one or the other because of the assumption that the two don't mix. And that incompatibility is, however, an illusion because both things are perfectly capable of helping each other. I mean, it's definitely not easy to balance the two, but in truth, that is what life is about. To find ourselves, we need to integrate our shadow, meaning accept that we have both sides. To practice spirituality, we don't need to abandon all of our possessions or our relationships. To enjoy worldly life, we can still keep our beliefs, ethical principles, values, and connection to something greater. You know, when we hear the word material, usually things like money, fame come to mind. But some of the wealthiest, most successful, and famous people are in fact very spiritual. Think Oprah. She is known for sharing her spiritual beliefs, practice, and journey towards her inner self. She has even invited great spiritual teachers like Thich Nhat Hanh, Jack Kornfield, Pema Chodron on her show. Steve Jobs, the co-founder of Apple, is another one. He was known for his interest in practices like Buddhism, Hinduism, meditation, and vegetarianism. He believes in the potential spirituality has to transform individuals and society, as it had influenced his personal life and inspired his approach to business and innovation. Deepak Chopra, a famous spiritual teacher and author who has written and spoke extensively on topics such as mind-body healing, meditation, and consciousness. He has amassed a significant personal fortune through his books, speaking engagements, retreats, and other ventures. Jay Shetty is another inspirational figure who was even once a monk. He's a regular meditation practitioner and is known for his teachings on personal growth. He believes that our spiritual practice can help us connect with ourselves, with those we love, and it can bring more joy and fulfillment into our lives. Of course, wealth and fame do not necessarily indicate spiritual death or authenticity. And there are many great spiritual beings who are not rich or well-known. Ultimately, the value of a teacher lies in the ability to inspire and guide others on their own unique journey. So I think it's possible to lead a spiritual life while living in this material world. In truth, material things are just objects. They're not bad. Well, they're not good or bad. It only becomes a problem when we misuse them or become overly attached to them. On the other side, spiritual seekers aren't rejects in society who can't cope with the external world. They just see things more clearly and realize that everyone, in some way or another, is suffering in this world. 
And they're looking for answers within, which is really what the Buddha taught. That life is a suffering and that there is a way out. And Buddha's psychology reminds us to free ourselves by taking the middle way rather than living an extreme life. Before attaining enlightenment, he lived a life of luxury as a prince. However, he became dissatisfied and began to seek answers. Then he embarked on his spiritual quest, left his palace, and renounced all his worldly possessions. He went to the other extreme and practiced asceticism, depriving himself from everything. Later, he recognized that both indulgence in worldly pleasure and extreme self-mortification were unproductive and unsustainable paths. In essence, Buddha's teachings on the middle way emphasize the importance of finding a balanced approach to life, embracing both the spiritual and material dimensions. If our spiritual practice and the demands of our everyday life are not in harmony, we might want to look into our practice to see if there is something wrong. Spirituality says we ought to balance the inner and outer tendencies of our existence. We need to integrate the two selves till a state of oneness is attained. This is a higher state in which there is absolute absorption on the inside and absolute awareness on the outside. Perhaps the perfection that we are aiming for in life is to simply find this balance. Thank you all for listening to Spirituality with Kayun. I hope you found this episode on how to balance materialism and spiritualism helpful. If you have any feedback, questions, comments, suggestions, feel free to find me on Instagram, Kayun underscore. I would love to hear from you. Please be sure to subscribe to and leave a review or rating if you find this podcast informative or inspiring. The lights within me bow to the divine lights within you. Namaste, everyone.